Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Tuckians? What the fuckalos? What the fuckstables? And what the fuckanots? And that's what the fuck enough. Yes. I don't think I've ever said that before. That is what the fuck enough. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the lovely handwritten letters and gifts and artwork. I don't know if I uh, show my gratitude enough, but I do want to thank you people. Thank you for all the emails. I read as many as I can. If I don't get back to you, it's because I have too many and I'm emotionally exhausted because I have no boundaries. There is no difference between Twitter, the emails, The letters that come to me, my relationship with my girlfriend, my relationship with my cat, my parents, everything is operating at the same emotional intensity and it's all happening at once. That's who I am. Who are you? Are you exhausted? You should be if you can relate to what I'm talking about. I don't know how many ways I got to put out that I'm going to be places and still people are like, I didn't know you were coming. Really? I hired a plane to fly with a banner over your city for four days. You didn't see that? The plane? How about the Zeppelin? Did you see the the hot air balloon that I I had over the top of Portland. I will be in Portland at the Helium Club tonight. That's Thursday through uh, through Saturday. That's the 19th, 20th, and 21st of April this month. I will be at the Mohawk in Austin, Texas for the Moon Tower Comedy Festival on April 26th. And I will be in Phoenix at Stand Up Live on May 3rd. I know on Monday I said April 3rd, but uh, I don't think many of you thought, oh, fuck, I got to go back in time. I wonder if there's still tickets available back in time. Man, what is happening? My boomer cat has lost his voice, and I don't know whether to panic or not. So now I can't even try to coax him into being on the show. His meows have become sad and squeaky, and I know he seems healthy. Uh, I'm not freaking out about it. Am I freaking out about anything right now? Yes. Yes, I'm overwhelmed, exhausted, hyper-anxious, and I'm traveling today as I speak. As I speak, I'm traveling, depending on when you listen to this. Kevin Hart is on the show. I knew Kevin Hart when he was little Kev back a while. I remember when he first got to New York, got a lot of opportunities, shot right up to the top of the flagpole, and then just was taken down. Uh, It's an interesting thing. We have the same management we used to. Dave Becky's his manager. We talk about that a bit. I, he's not my manager anymore, but but uh, it's interesting when you have this when you share a manager with somebody and you you wonder what that other guy's doing. And of course, a manager's job is to never tell you what anyone else is doing until you realize it. But I didn't realize this, along with many people who probably listen to this show. There's specific worlds of comedy, but I'm talking about the mainstream world. Kevin Hart is probably the biggest selling act in comedy right now. He is probably the biggest comic in the country right now. I mean, I'm telling you, man, his Laugh at My Pain tour earned over $15 million in ticket sales. They turned it into a concert movie. It showed at 99 theaters. It earned $2 million on an opening weekend. And a lot of movies on 2,000 screens don't do that kind of business. But many people have never heard of him. Obviously, I'd heard of Kevin Hart, but I didn't know the status of Kevin Hart until I went and played the Wilbur in Boston. They said Kevin Hart was coming. He's doing five nights, 10 shows, sold out in six hours. 1,100, 1,200 seat venue. 
six hours. I'm like, when did that happen? And this isn't even talking jealousy. It's just sort of like, am I out of the fucking loop? Is everybody but laugh spin out of the loop? I mean, how come no one talks about Kevin Hart? I'm talking to him today. And when I went into this, I was like, I'm talking to the biggest act in comedy. And I didn't really realize that. But he is. I've had very few people that are at his status that can really explore the process of that. Because this was a guy who I remember, you know, got a lot of attention and then just disappeared for a while. So I'm excited to talk to him about that. He's going to be in two movies that are opening in the next couple weeks. Think Like a Man, that comes out on Friday. That's tomorrow. He's also in the new Apatow produced uh, The Five-Year Engagement. That comes out a week from uh, tomorrow. But I'm I'm willing to bet that a lot of, of, of people who are listening to this are like, Kevin who? Well, Kevin Hart. And you'll get to know him better in a few minutes. I had a little awkward situation I wouldn't mind sharing. Because I think I'm a pretty open-minded guy. But I'm starting to realize that being open-minded sometimes just means shutting your mouth. Being open-minded means you don't say that you might be closed-minded or that you might be uncool or that you might not quite know how to handle the situation. When in doubt, just act like you're cool. Just act like everything is copacetic. Everything is okay. And this wasn't a big deal. And and I'm certainly a grown man, but yeah, I, I don't always know how to behave in situations. Clearly, you've gleaned that from... Uh, from getting to know me on this show for a while but um i was at my buddy's house he's an artist and uh we were hanging out uh and his girlfriend was there we were eating some pie everything was cool uh just uh talking about art talking about stuff got to talking about tattoos now i i am fairly principled around tattoos i don't want one i don't know what i would put on my body i you know i have a hard enough time committing to the body as is like i have a hard enough time accepting my body the way it is as it is now let alone with someone else's artwork on it okay so i just i I was not into that my brother's got a few and and they're questionable really my brother made some random choices about that that's what i don't get about tattoos in general it's sort of like you know you see one you're like what the hell is that and people are like yeah i just thought that'd be cool and all right well how is it now how are you with that thing now how are you with the winnie the pooh on your shoulder now you know how are you with that piece of pie you know, on your neck now. Those are actually, they, they would be all right. But nonetheless, we just started talking about tattoos. And then my buddy's into Japan. He goes to Japan. He says, yeah, in Japan, if you have tattoos, you can't, uh, they, they don't let you into the private spas or you can't go in the communal pool with a tattoo. The Japanese are very, you know, a little uh, stiff on the tattoos. All right, no big deal. And then his girlfriend said, yeah, we did a photo shoot. And, and you know, to, to not offend, I think, the Japanese magazine or, or that it was a popular in Japan, they, she had a, a tattoo on her back, her lower back, as women do. And they airbrushed it out. And then my buddy goes and gets the magazine and he gives me the magazine and shows me the pictures. And they're biker-themed pictures and sort of a, almost an ironic biker spread. And, and his girlfriend, who's sitting next to me, is naked in these pictures. And, I, and I'm there sitting there with my buddy on one side and his girlfriend on the other side looking at his girlfriend's boobs uh, in this photograph. Now, you know, what goes through your head in that mind? I mean, it is sort of a, a lot of people don't think twice about it. I'm not hung up on sex, but I think I'm infantile inside, you know, because there's part of me that, that just wants to say, oh, my, those are your boobs. You're sitting right here and I'm looking at your boobs right here on the, in the page. I'm looking at, um, there, these are your boobs right here and I'm sitting right here. That's, that's so fucking hilarious that your boobs are right. If that's what the inner dialogue is, 
you know, and then part of it, I, I don't know what's what's proper to say in that moment, really. So uh, so I just didn't react at all. And I said, so, uh, you know, so where was the tattoo? Oh, yeah, look at that. Yeah, you wouldn't even know it. That's what I said. That's what came out of my mouth. Would it have been imp- inappropriate to do the other thing? Would it have been inappropriate to just say, hey, nice ones, ah, yeah. Would that have been, I, I think that probably would have been wrong. I'm glad I handled it the way I did. And uh, yeah, so is he, I imagine. But I don't know. Maybe that would have been the next conversation. I don't know. Maybe I'll go over there again and, and ask to see the, 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 the magazine again. Now, see, that would be awkward. Like if I went over there again, I'm like, hey, can I just, uh, can I look at that, that picture again of, uh, you know, because I wanted, I wanted to see if that, you know, you really couldn't see that tattoo, right? Can I just, can I, uh, what? I think that would be weird. Yeah, I don't think I'd do that. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I, I mean, I remember, <laughs> you know, I'm such an asshole. I just remember there was a time in, uh, in New York, like Boston Comedy Club, mm-hmm. when you were around... <laughs> Like, I feel like it was the first time you were around. You're just like, there's a little Kev. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And you were happy and running around doing your comedy. And then I feel like I didn't see you for a while. And now all of a sudden you're the biggest comic on the planet. <laughs> what, what have you been doing for 10 years? What? Dude, you know what's funny? Uh, what? Mark, you know, when you when you bring him to New York, uh, you guys don't even realize it, man. But uh, my comedy education came from that environment. Yeah. Uh, you know, by that environment, I mean, you know, Keith Robinson was right. like my my mentor, you know. So for me being around Keith and Patrice and, and yeah. Norton and Voss, you know, is how I kind of filtered through and met all you guys, yourself, Colin, you know. What year was, was that? Dude, you're talking 2002, 2003, right. 2001. But before that, I mean, I had Okerson on here and... Uh it was funny because I, you know, I get some been, of the best stories ever. Right, but I got some of the best stories ever. I was getting, I had him come on. And he talks about you guys, you know, starting out uh, in Philly, uh-huh. and uh, and then I start getting emails from black people who were saying like, <laughs> why do you have to segregate black and white rooms? And I'm like, because they're different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't like. I know that some of the, my people don't. Uh, they don't know comedy, and maybe I should clarify it. You gotta but, explain it. You gotta tell them. Well, I had I talked to Donnell Rollins recently too, and he he laid it out. Yeah. Here's the thing, and this is this is for me speaking on my people's behalf. Okay, okay? Uh, for for all of the 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 fellow African American listeners uh, that that are fans of of your podcast, uh, me being one of these people, you know, you got to understand in New York, there's a mainstream world, and there's a uh, we call it the underground world, you know, and for a lot of uh, for a lot of the urban comics, you know, we choose to go in the the underground world. The reason why the money was quicker, uh, it was better going mainstream. Some of some of the urban comments felt like it wasn't worth it, you know? I'm not going over here to perform for $10 and get a food spot when I can go here. Right, but that was like starting out. Like a yeah. lot of us were like, we'll, we'll take stage time fucking anywhere. Exactly. And and we just thought it was part of the process. And even now, man, I'm a 48-year-old dude and you do these alternative rooms and you perform for three, 400 people and you get off and they're like, thanks. I'm like, we that's it? You don't, not $20? Nothing, nothing not, at all. Nothing and, at all. And so the, the idea was differently was that like, you know, I'm not going to fucking work for nothing, even if I'm only doing this a year. It's the truth. Right. It's the truth. But for me, I'm going to tell you what was different for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at both worlds. You know, mm-hmm. I looked at the urban world and I looked at the mainstream world. And I, I, I think I figured it out, not even figured out, because I think so many people know about it. People just don't want to do it. I said, why can't I do both? 
why can't I get involved in both worlds? You know, right. Keith Robinson was my gateway to the mainstream world. Yeah. Uh, I knew talent. I knew Capone. I knew Donnell Rawlings. Right. Uh, Drew Frazier. All of these guys are guys who had rooms. Rob Stapleton. So in New York, they own the urban right. underground world. Right. So I said, there's no reason for me not to do both. I can filter through both and, and learn and get better to where I appeal to everybody. That was my goal. You know, at a young age, I was... I was 19, 20. So I said, if I can figure it out now, by the time I get to be 25, 26, I shouldn't have any problems performing right. anywhere. Right. You know? This right. should be great for me. And 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 I think the, the interesting thing is, is that I, I think what it, it's 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 odd to me that there are still a lot of black comics that are like, you know, fuck that. I'm going to stay here and make the paycheck that there's not even maybe an attempt to uh, to cross over. I think it's because of the quick reward. Yeah. People people would much rather take the quick reward yeah. they wait for what can possibly be mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more of a, a long term thinker. Clearly. You know, I can't I can't I can't think about today. I'm thinking about two weeks from now. Like even now with success, thank God, knock on wood, I'm glad to be where I am and I'm glad to be successful. But my thoughts today are, well, how do I set up so I don't have to do what I'm doing now. What happens when I don't want to <laughs> tour? How do I not die broke? Yeah, how do I not? Honestly, like when, <laughs> you, know, when you play now, that's that's what it is for me. So for me, it's building an empire. I started Heartbeat Productions where I'm producing and creating and owning my own content. And right. It's education. So right. many people are around it and have the knowledge to see it, but don't take advantage of it. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I, I can't. No, no, no. I mean, and, and also, you know, once you, as you know, once you start making other people money, all of a sudden they're, they're willing to help out exactly and guide the way a little exactly. bit hey exactly. i can help you make me more yeah. money and make you some money how does that sound that sounds pretty good deal as long as i'm making more than you i'll be all right with that but but i mean what what's interesting to me is that as a comic like i was a, i was in boston i did the wilbur and i just spent some time with jeff wills from live nation he's a good friend of mine. yeah yeah he's a good cat and i've, I've known him since he was booking one-nighters uh-huh. for the foxes in san francisco you uh-huh. know so you see these guys come up but but like, there's also an underground nerd comedy scene. There's all these different little scenes, not just a black comedy scene. There's this nerd comedy scene. There's a lot of scenes that 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 are separated. And I was even surprised, you know, when when they told me like, oh yeah, Kevin Hart's playing the entire month here at the Wilbur. He's doing 900 shows, <laughs> two shows a night. I'm like, holy fuck! When did that happen? Does everybody know how popular that guy is? <laughs> How many fucking shows did you it's, do of this? It's surreal. I'm doing, it's actually in April. Uh, dude, it's unheard of. Like, I, I could have played the, uh, I could have played the arena. I could have played where the Celtics, where the Celtics play. But I, I talked to a friend of mine and Jeff who basically do the Wilbur. Now, yeah. think about the Wilbur. The Wilbur's intimate. You know, it's, 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 it's a theater. It's 1100. Yes, it's a theater, yeah. but it's intimate. You right, still got a nice. comedy club feel. Yeah. Now, for me, I play arenas. Right. I, I've, I've done it. It's great. I, I won't, I won't act like it's not a big deal at all. It's it's amazing. But when you have the chance to still get that intimate feeling and make the money that you would make in an arena, I, I jump at those opportunities. So I said, you know, what? I can, I'm going to treat it like a comedy club. I said, dude, the only way I'll make a deal with them is if I can go from like Wednesday 
to Monday. Right. You know, in an arena, I was going to do ten thousand people. I need to come with that number. So, so two shows a night, Wednesday through. Um, two to, I sold out every show. I think we sold out in maybe six days. Well, let me walk through this. I, I want to walk. <laughs> I want to walk through. And look, and I'm happy for your success, uh-huh. but it just tells me that I'm out of the fucking loop because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know you're a great comic. I watched the first Shaq special, mm-hmm. uh, and you kicked ass, and I hadn't seen you in a while, mm-hmm. but I know you've always been out there doing it. And then all of a sudden, then I, someone told me about, uh, where was it, Hampton? Uh, Hampton, VA, yes. Yeah, Hampton, Virginia. 25,000 people. 25,000 people. Yep. So now, where do you get from 2003, 2004, you're acting like a, you know, like a very humble, kind of like, I'm just happy to be doing uh-huh. a few minutes here and there. <laughs> and that, now you're selling out states. You know I mean, what? I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. Social media. Really? Social media, man. Uh, you know, every everybody has a opinion about Dane Cook. Everybody. Everybody yeah. has an opinion. Some negative, some positive. Right. Uh, I like Dane. Yeah. I like Dane, uh, whether you are a fan of his jokes or not. Dane's work ethic and Dane's social media presence is what put Dane in a place where, stand-up-wise, he played some of the biggest venues ever. And I was like, how did he do it? How did he get there? Like, I was asking these questions when I was doing the improvs, you know? Yeah. I had a conversation when he told me. And once he told me, it was through emails, through through MySpace at right. the time, through right. Facebook, right. you know, through yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It was branding yourself. So uh, I was doing movies. I didn't have big parts in movies, but I constantly had cameos. Nobody knew I was a comedian. So what I did was I did the comedy club circuit four years in a row to a point to where every time I went, I got all the emails. I got everybody's information. By hand. By hand. It was me. I had a guy with me that was my assistant slash Stand there with a clipboard or put the cards out on the table. As everybody walked out that door, he received the uh, uh, three by five card that we filled and we made ourselves. Kevin Hart needs to know who you are. Right. And people gave me their email addresses and everything. And he got it back from each and every single person. At the end of it, his job was to take that information, put it in a computer, our laptop that we travel with us. Put under it, Cleveland. Cleveland, here's a representation of my fan base in Cleveland. I'm coming back in a year. I hit each and every single one of those people to say, I'm coming back, I'm performing again. So that's old school. That's like pre-Twitter. Now Twitter, you just blast Twitter, but you can't get a Twitter audience to, to blast out if you don't, have some place to tell oh, I, I get to it from. but I mean but the but the truth was that when you were starting out when I saw you in New York you'd already come out of Philly how many years did you do in Philly I did I only did a year and a half in Philly then I came to New York how old were you when you started I was 17 18 yeah and you grew up 18. in Philly grew up in Philadelphia PA like what kind of what kind of area what kind oh, of neighborhood uh, my neighborhood shit uh, <laughs> North Philadelphia 15th area you know crime city you know we right now I think we third in the in, in the world of deaths probably I yeah think New Year's we opened it up with five murders in yeah. my city yeah happy uh, new year yeah it's like it's you know it's, it's it's not the best place in the world but i love it it's home for me that's but that's what i know how did you come around to doing comedy i mean what was the process i mean who were your heroes and what what were you looking at well bill cosby is a philadelphia native right uh so for me coming up my my mom and dad were were album people you right know? it was right. it was bill cosby's yeah. album Right, uh, Richard Pryor's old, album. Right, uh, you know Red Fox's album. Eddie yeah. Murphy. When Eddie came along, it was I saw it, I could see it. But for me back then, it was just wow, these guys are funny. Sinbad, it was yeah. funny. Whoa, yeah, look who are at these that people? Outfit. Wow, look at this. This is crazy. <laughs> is that one uh, piece or two pieces? <laughs> <laughs> As I got older, 
uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, yeah, I was destined to be a comedian. It's what I want to do from gate. I didn't know. Uh, but I was, older, I mean, if you started when you were 17, what do you mean older? Well, when older you, by- When you were 12? I mean, I'm, I'm graduated from high school and everybody's saying, what are you going to college for right. to study? I don't know. Are you going to college? Uh, I don't yeah. think so. Go yeah. to community, though. Yeah. I'm going to community. I went to community for two weeks. <laughs> I, I dropped out. Like, I'm not going to do it. Oh, that wasn't the full program? No, my mom, listen, my mom said, look, you're not going to sit on your ass and, and, and just literally not do nothing. You better figure something out. My mom was a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. I could have went to the University of Pennsylvania. No for shit. Free. What, what, did, what, what did she profess? Uh, my mom was in a computer, computer. She was a computer analyst, so and within her program, it was like computer 101 something. Like, right, but so she had a gig at the university. She was serious. You could have got in there. With no problem. Right, no state problem. school. I was so stupid. I said, I don't want it. I don't want to go to college. I don't want, I don't want the world of... Of right. of smarts. That's not me, mom. I was that guy. Don't try to make me this guy. I ain't the I ain't the school dude, lady. All right. So so basically, and then that's what she said. You better find your you own better place. Find something. She said, "Look, you're not gonna sit here and do nothing." So I went to community college. I found a job. Dude, community work for two weeks. I dropped out. I was working. I said, "Mom, just give me a year to figure things out. Figure things out." And my job, I was the funny guy. I was yeah. a funny guy. I kept everybody laughing. I worked for this place, City Sports. Yeah. Sneaker salesman. Yeah. They fell in love with my personality. Uh, and this girl named Alice. You didn't like, have to wear the ref shirt, did you? No, we had mm. we weren't like that. We were we were t shirts. Right. City sports. We just had t shirts okay. jeans. Okay. But, I'm thinking of locker room or foot locker. Foot locker. Yeah, no, no. We no, were no. we were we were good. We were comfortable. <laughs> but the thing with that, with with Alice is Alice was like, dude, you should you should really do comedy, Kev. Like, you're funny. You have us dying. Yeah. Why don't you do comedy? And yeah. I was like, what? I don't even know how to do that. What do yeah. I do? Right. She's like, go to Laugh House. They got amateur nights. We go all the time. Really? What? Really? What's the Laugh House? What are you talking about? Like, what's that? It's a comedy club. <laughs> what's, what's like, well, what happens at a comedy club? Yeah. They get up. People like tell jokes. Comedians come through. You got to come. Yeah. I went with them on a Thursday. Just to watch. It was amateur night. Just yeah. to watch. I get there. I'm looking, I'm like, holy shit. I'm laughing at these comedians. There's like 30 people in the crowd, but people are coming to see these guys perform. Yeah. So at the end of the night, this guy named Teray Gordon, who was the host, he gets on stage and says, all right, yo, please tell somebody Amateur Nights every Thursday, man, it's the best. We get to see new faces. Yeah. Who's going to be our next star? We don't know. Is this an urban room? Uh, it's it's a comedy club, so it doesn't have to be. But right. that night got a lot of urban people because whoever performed had to bring people. Why do we say urban and not black? Can we just say black? Well, we can say black, but then then we say we're not being politically correct. Right? You know, I would love to say black. You okay. know, if if it was up to me, I say niggas. But I don't. I, I I can't do it because I'm trying to be politically correct. So for me, <laughs> no, you actually I think you can do it. I can't. I can't, yeah, I can't yo, do it. you can't. But I'm saying just just for that to keep it in a great place. Yeah, I say urban room. Okay. So you know, a lot of the comics performing were urban. Comics. Uh, so I say, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. I sign up, dude. All my coworkers come down. I perform one time, fell in love with it. I won a competition. Did you tank or did you do it? I actually did good. It was the awful first time? material. It was horrible, but I did good. Do you remember? Was it just, had, was it just oh, uh, oh, takes God. on standard oh, shit? No, dude. It was yeah, so yeah, bad. It yeah, was, uh, yeah. uh, I got robbed by a cross-eyed midget. Um <laughs> I, I, my joke was, I didn't know he was robbing me. I said, you got to look at me yeah. when you talking to me. Yeah. He said, I am looking at you. My punchline was, well, why are you looking at him when you talking to me? He's like, I'm looking at you. It was just a bunch of awful, right, right. hacky cross-eyed stuff. And I right. wound up saying, like, the, the ending of it was I got head-butted by the midget right. and I fell. Uh, it was more jokes like black people talk like this, white people talk like that. Right. 
uh, what else? It was why black people dance like this and white people dance like this. It was a bunch of that. Yeah, that's all I heard sure, and all sure, I knew. So sure. uh, it went well. I won. I got sixty dollars. I was like, holy shit! Got sixty dollars. That's it. This is <laughs> got my way. Yeah, dude. I came back for about five Thursdays in a row. Uh, won a competition each night. Quit my job. Yeah. Tell my mom I knew what I wanted to do. In my mind, I'm gonna go back every Thursday. Sixty plus sixty plus sixty plus sixty. I'm making that's my rent money. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting a good yeah. two eighty, close to three hundred a month. Right. Go get that. Flip that. I'm in my own place. As soon as I quit, they stopped the amateur night competition. <laughs> so there's no lie or everything. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Holy shit! What I'm gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I told my mom, look, mom, I don't ask you for nothing. I never have. I found out what I want to do in my life. This is my career. I want to be a comedian. Just, just help me figure it out. Yeah, give me a year to figure it out. Yeah, and and I promise, mom, if it doesn't work, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And what she said? She said she paid my rent for a year, and if I didn't have it figured out in that year, I had to go do her plan. Within that year, uh, what was I her plan? Go to college. College. What'd your dad apply. think? My dad did at the time. My dad might have been in. My dad was on drugs at the time. No, he wasn't. So he didn't really know that much about what was going on. My dad, my dad, only been sober for five, six years. Now, so, yeah, 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 yeah. My dad caught the good half. As I got successful, he cleaned up. Smart, smart move on his behalf. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> what was he just laying around, just kind of like out of it? Yeah, my dad was just in and out of rehab. Oh, just, really? Yeah. Just what was his thing? He was. My dad was cocaine. My dad was a uh, heroin, mm-hmm. weed. Oh that's yeah, that's probably it. So that was always in the house, or you know, he, he wasn't. Well, my mom kicked him out when I was oh, okay. young, but he was still our life. So yeah. he was in and out of jail. You know, oh, he yeah. was that. My dad was a rebel. Yeah, I love you for it though. <laughs> like I know what not to do because of what my dad did. Like, that's <laughs> and it, and it didn't. You didn't, you never got uh, that thing because sometimes it runs in families. No, never, I don't. I don't have it. And he wasn't in the house enough for you to have that weird kind of like you know how do we help dad thing. No, it was as I got older, me and my brother figured out like yo we got to help dad. You got one brother. Yeah, one brother, one brother. Older, uh, younger? Older. Yeah. Older brother. And did you try to help him out? Uh, Me and my brother, we, we put him in a rehab. It didn't go. He came out. And I think the disappointment on your older son's face when, when we're older, when yeah. adults, we look at you, yeah. is enough to make you feel like you need to get your shit together. Right. And I think that's what did it. You, uh-huh. can, you can put a person in all the help you want. At the end of the day, if they don't mentally yeah. want to that's do it, right. that's they're not right. going to do it. That's right. Uh, so for us, it was, it, was, it was saying, you know what, Dad, do you live your life? You know, we can't change you. And yeah. he had the realization on his own. But uh-huh. I'm, I'm glad, honestly, that he went through what he did. Like, I don't have a drug itch in my yeah. body. I, yeah. I would never touch drugs just yeah. because of what I saw. Yeah. But if you take him out of my life, who knows, dude? All this money, I would fucking be snorting up pounds of cocaine. <laughs> who knows what I would be doing? Because yeah, I, yeah. I, would I wouldn't know why it was bad and why not to mess with it. But right. now I have a visual, I have a visual so reality of what, of what it can do. The toll know? it so, took on him. So I kind of let it go. Uh, but my mom, once she supported me and she gave me that year, dude, I met comedians and, you know, guys were doing rooms here and there would let me open up for it for $50, $25. And I kind of started to find a way. Then yeah. once I met Keith and found him out in New York, Big J, uh, Olkerson, he was supposed to go to New York with me. Jay thought it was a stupid idea. He didn't want to do it, and oh, I kept doing it. Yeah, so you kept going up. I to kept New York. going, and, and Jay kept... stopped. So by the time Jay got there, I was already in. Yeah. I was, I was doing all the stuff that we should have been doing together. Right. Uh, and then by the time he got in, I was out. I was You're moving on. I'm going to Montreal and all of this other stuff. So he was one step behind because he didn't stick with me. He quit on me. Well, he was nervous, and clearly he didn't, wasn't quite sure what the hell he was doing up there. He didn't. He didn't want to do it, and I was like, I'm just going to go for it, man. Like, and do you think he had a fear of actually playing white rooms? 
Yo, believe it or not, Jay was one of the best white comics that I've ever seen in the urban room. Yeah. Jay used to destroy. Right, he told this story rooms. about like, his... It, listen, there, there was one time when this dude told him to shut the fuck up, and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. We were at a uh, beef bar and grill in Philadelphia, yeah. okay? It's like, it's just a, it's one level, it just goes straight back. It's not set up for comedy at all. Right. Jay gets out there, his mic dies. Somebody yells out, I can't hear you. Jay goes, taps the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, what about now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> like, together. Shut the fuck up, white boy! <laughs> he just, <laughs> all right, good night. He just, just walked off stage. It was the most humbling thing I've ever seen in my life. Because he didn't fight. He didn't argue. He didn't say anything. He said, good night. shut the fuck up, white boy! All right, good night, guys. <laughs> he just... He just walked off the stage, and I, it was it. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't an excuse. There was nothing. He just said, "All right, guys, good night. Thanks for everything." He just walked off. Oh, God. The funniest thing I've ever seen that's in my life. Hilarious. But the stories that me and Jay have, like me and Jay, dude, that, that's that's a great friend of mine. I mean, we've lost contact over the years. Have you? Yeah, just you know, he stayed. And we we both have kids. We have families. So as you grow, you know, it happens. Yeah, it, it happens. Nothing you can it's do. nothing intentional, but yeah. it happens. Our lives went in two different directions. But when I tell you just the stories, man, like from us going to do shitty colleges together, like me and Jay have spent hours in cars together. Like it's it's unbelievable <laughs> the shit that we've done. Like I, words can only explain, man. I, I love the guy. And, and he's 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 a guy who honestly he made me appreciate the the struggle like when you got guys to struggle with yeah you appreciate it it's no it's no point of getting successful if you don't have bad fucking stories yeah about what happened before you got there you oh, gotta yeah. appreciate yeah, it yeah, there's a dues paying process exactly so now but keith like he seemed to be a pivotal part in, in a few people's lives yeah i know keith um oh, many years i opened for keith when i first started and he still tells that story <laughs> But wait, he was a guy from Philly, but you didn't know him in Philly, but he knew you guys? I, I Keith Keith Robinson looked at the Laugh House like it was like it was not a good club. He didn't like the way it was ran. Mm-hmm. The reason why, he had something to compare it to. Right. Keith was up there in New York. He he saw the way comedy clubs should be ran. He right. knew how comedians should be treated. Right. He felt like the Laugh House didn't treat comedians right. properly. Right. So he didn't really support it. Um but he came to see me one night like he he didn't know me but he just came and dropped by and saw and heard about some stuff going on and there was this funny guy he just wanted to see so i meet him we shake hands man and you know i'm the young guy i'm like hey can you watch my set i've heard a lot about you people talk about you yeah. can you just watch me tell me what you think and i got off you know classic keith when i got off he was like you stink you're not you're not talking about shit, stupid. I don't even know this guy. Listen, I just met you. He's he's the most degrading human being. Stupid, stupid little dummy. You you stink. He said you're not talking about nothing. Yeah, you're yeah. up there just talking. Yeah. I don't know who you are. Yeah. I don't know shit about you. You you're up there talking about shit that everybody can say. Who are you? Yeah. This is the first time I met him. So I'm like, you're an asshole, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're he, crazy. I killed just now. Right. The crowd was going crazy. Yeah. He's like, it means nothing. And then he, he went said, home and thought about then, that then, shit. Then right? he left. Like <laughs> yeah. he didn't say anything else to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. He came back the following Thursday. Yeah. I asked him to watch me again, and I actually tried to change and adapt. And he he wound up telling me, he's like, look, man, I know what I said last week. You might have thought I was being a jerk. So I'm not. 
He said, I'm going to tell you what I what I think you should hear because you're talented. He said, I can see from you being on stage. You got a stage presence. There's an aura about you. He said, but now is when you have to start learning how to talk about stuff. He said, why don't you come up to New York with me a couple times? Like just out the blue. This guy could have been a pedophile. I didn't right. know what he was about. He could right. have been trying to, to get me on a road by himself and do some things to me. I don't, I don't know what did, he was did thinking. Did he still have the fade? Or uh, no, <laughs> he, he was, that's what he think. Cre- he looked like a creepy old man. It was dress pants. Nobody wore dress pants to yeah, comedy club. Slacks. It was weird. It was yeah, scary. Yeah. Uh, I trusted him. I told Jay. Jay was like, dude, you going to go? I said, yeah, man, maybe you should come too. Jay was like, no, nah, I'm going to stay and just work out here in the room. Yeah. I went with Keith, and once I saw New York and saw the comedy club scene, I didn't go back. Me and Keith slaved that road for, dude, you're talking seven years? Yeah, you uh, did you go out on the road with him or anything? No, we were just back and forth to New York in that car. Like, yeah. literally. Like, we're talking, we would leave Philadelphia at 3 o'clock, get to New York by 5, stay in New York until 3 a.m., drive back, get home by 5, 4.30 a.m., sleep, wake up at 3 o'clock, do the same thing every single day for about six, seven years. Just hanging out. Hanging out. I didn't get in. I literally had to hang out in New York for, it might have been a year and a half before I actually got in. Yeah, to the comedy club circus. The only club that they were let me perform at was the Boston, right? And that was on Sundays, yeah. which was Urban Night. Yeah, talent night. Other than that, it took a while. But once I got in at the cellar, once Esty let me in at the cellar, that took me about eight years. I think she's tough not to once, crack. Dude. Once she once she allowed me to come in, then every place started to trickle. Yeah, every place else started to come around. Is it my am I remembering wrong that like it seems to me that, like not unlike Bill Burr that you 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 went through a period where you sort of you, you rose up. And then, uh, you know, you got some deals, you got some heat, and then it kind of went away. Yep. Yep. That, that, because I remember, like, there was a, there was like, oh, who's this hot shot? You, you know, I saw you, you know, one time and you're like, hey, I'm here. And then the next thing you know, it's like, ah, oh, Kevin's fucking doing television. Yeah. That there was a, I, I know that you, did you, you developed something with Bill, what, right? Me and Bill. But before, let's start before that, though. Didn't you have a series before on? Before that, I had a show called The Big House. Uh, I went to Montreal. Went to Montreal Comedy Festival. Now, this is what? You've been doing comedy four or five years? I've been doing comedy. I went to Montreal in 2004. At this point, I was doing comedy since 1998. I was hanging out Six in New years. York. Six years. I was hanging out so in New York. So you knew face. I, new faces. Right. Definitely new faces. But I was in New York for about two years right. at this time. So, you know, I felt that I was a little seasoned. I wasn't a good comic yet. But you were a good 15-minute comic. Exactly. Exactly. I had, I had seven minutes to be a great set which i needed in montreal 10 minutes at most which and, this is is, and this is also right on the cusp this is before like yeah, everyone was overexposed from youtube or you, you still had a shot yep. at people going who the fuck is this guy yep so yep. th- this was a big thing i don't know if people understand that 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 listen to it that you, you used to go to the montreal festival and if people hadn't seen you you know it was a buyer's market it was it was you huge. know that you had you know everybody in show business up there you know looking at you know, like it's some sort of uh, a trade show the thing with the thing was deals. The thing where the deals right, that we're going to throw some out. money. We're going to hold on to this guy. Yep. We're gonna, you get we own you. Five hundred thousand, right. three hundred thousand, right? Whatever that number is, we're going to hold you for a year. Okay, so you're a fifteen minute act. You you got a lot of juice, and you, you know you you can you can sell the shit out of stuff. And you go up there, you do new faces. Yes, sir. And then what happens? Uh, do new faces. I kill. I destroy new faces. Right. Uh, all the papers uh, in in Montreal were Kevin Hart. Phil, oh, this guy Kevin Hart, yeah. new faces. Kevin Hart took the crowds over. Right. Agents are all talking about Kevin Hart. Blah yeah, blah yeah, blah. Who's yeah. Kevin Hart? Yeah. Get back. Uh, my management puts together the the meetings. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I got about come out twenty five meetings. You come out here. I'm out and in LA. start running around with Becky. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Out here in L.A. I'm staying at yeah. the Hyatt Hotel yeah. at the time, yeah. which yeah. has changed now. Uh, we're out here. 
they're they're like, okay, dude, we got tons of meetings set up. You got to come out for like two weeks. Yeah. Every day, literally, I'm doing four or five meetings a day. Um, now, you married at this time? At this time, I wasn't. Okay. At this time, I wasn't married. Uh, it's all business. All business right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. So I'm like, okay, this is this is big. Yeah. They're explaining to me yeah, why I'm taking yeah, the yeah. meetings, what the meetings yeah. are about. They just yeah. want to know you, be yourself, yeah. go on these meetings and Go kill. in there and dance. Like, that's basically, <laughs> honestly, yeah. that's basically what it is, sure. Mark. It's like, I know. Basically, I know. what it is is, hey, go in here and shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, I had no idea. Like, what do you mean by kill at the meetings? Yeah. Dude, make yeah. them laugh. Yeah. Just be yourself. So, literally, you're in these meetings performing. You're oh, not yeah. doing your oh, set, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're, you're, hey, yeah. yeah. Walk, 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 walk. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. you're that guy. Two white guys sitting behind a desk. And, and just literally yeah. just judging you yeah. to see oh, yeah. who you are and if we feel like we can give you yeah. money to do something for right. us. Can he make us money? Do we want to give him money? That's basically what it was. Yeah. Uh, meetings go well. I destroy all the meetings. Everybody's making offers. Uh, gets to a point where I had CBS. I had ABC. I had Fox. I had NBC. Right. All the major networks were trying to offer deals to hold me free. Bidding war. Bidding war. So you made big chunk. Uh, get you know, I mean, I, I don't I care about being honest. I think at the time I got, it might have been like $275,000. That's a lot of money for a guy who's been doing it six been years. Doing, and it's, it's, you know, for me, I'm 21. Yeah. You know, 21 going on 22. That's big. This is huge. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, and- uh, did you have that moment where you're like, I'm there. I oh, did it. No, in my mind, I was rich. Oh, yeah. It was done. This and then, is it. And like, from here, it's going to be- This is it. I'm, yeah. I'm planning on buying my mom's house. I'm going to buy my mom's house. Yeah. I'm about to get me a house. Yeah. I'm probably going to get a Benz. Yeah. Uh, after I get the Benz, I'll probably buy my, get my brother like 50000 Right. Probably take my dad somewhere, <laughs> throw my dad like twenty five grand. No taxes are involved in my thought process <laughs> no, at all. Nobody no. told me about taxes. And, 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 I know and, nothing about it. And in your mind, it was like, this is the way it's going to be from here on oh, out. this is my life. Yeah. This is it. Oh, see, I've I made it. That's amazing. I've made it. Yeah. This is this is who I am. Yeah. I make two hundred and fifty thousand to seventy five thousand dollars probably a month now. Yeah. So I'll probably get this. I'll probably get another deal as soon as this deal is done. That's how that's how naive of you course, are. Of course. You don't know. Yeah. So uh I get the money. Uh I think I go with uh it was ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh go to development. I had a deal, it was a holding deal. Right. Nothing happened from the holding deal. Right. Right. Just held me, did a pilot, nothing. Following year They didn't do a pilot. No, no. Uh, we did. I shot a pilot. Not for me. This is this is me. Just oh, it was network. just a, a holding deal. So that means like you, we own you, and we're going to stick you in something. Yes. Okay. Shot me an awful pilot. Uh, I was the black crazy roommate in the pilot. Uh, pilot was awful. Following year, I sat. I talked to Dave. I talked to uh, my agents. I said, "Look, I was behind the scenes a lot. I saw the process. Yeah. I think I have a show idea. Mm-hmm. This the next year. Yeah. I want to pitch a show." Well, why don't we set up a meeting with us, managers, agents, and yourself? You pitch right. to us, and we determine if it's good. I'm the young guy, so what do I know? Uh, come up with a show idea. The reverse of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Guy moving from a rich family, going to go live with his poor family. Yeah. This is like my life, guys. I can mimic it all for my family, blah, blah, blah. Whoa, that's actually good, Kevin. Yeah. Let's set it up. Yeah. Keep in mind, it's year two. I just got $250,000 or two seventy, whatever it was. Yeah. So that money is damn near gone after all of my uh, splurging that I did. Okay, so I'm probably in <laughs> what debt. You, what did you buy? Point. Oh, my God. What I, I think I bought 37 throwback jerseys. I probably spent... <laughs> I think I spent $60,000 on, on apparel alone. Uh, uh, my clothes were amazing yeah. in, in 2002, 2003, 2004. It was unbelievable. Uh, I had a car. 
I didn't have any credit, so I think I bought a Ford Explorer Sport, and the car was probably worth twenty five grand. By the time I got done, I played forty five thousand with interest and everything. And yeah, yeah. It was just awful. Um, got an apartment, furnished it as if I was the Godfather. Uh, it was just I, fuck that money off. I, I can't tell you where that money is today. All right, you tapped out. Uh, it was right. it was disgusting. I was yeah. that money was gone within yeah, four yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good time, all right? So, oh, best time of my life. <laughs> uh, so. I go, I set up this idea, yeah. I pitch it. Holy shit, I sell it. ABC again. Now, give me another holding deal. This time, it's not the 200 or something thousand I got before. It's like 175 But this is my life. Dude, I can do this forever. I can just sell shit and get it made. Sure. This time, it goes a little bigger and better. Get the show sold. Holy shit. They say we want to do it. Now, we shoot the pilot. Holy shit. We're going to pick it up. Wow. Yeah. I'm executive producing, creating, starring, yeah. writing in my own television show. 24. Yeah. 24 years old. Perfect. About to be a millionaire. Yeah, oh yeah. My face going to be on buses. Yeah. I got billboards. <laughs> Kiss my ass, world. <laughs> hey, lady at community college told me I need to focus. Suck it. That's <laughs> right. Look at me. I'm focusing now, bitch. I'm, I'm telling everybody. I'm, I'm going back after everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. We do the show. Uh, after they pick it up, it's the announcements. We're all in New York. The upfronts. The upfronts. Yeah. I'm about to go on stage, and they're going to announce my show. <laughs> I get stopped. Somebody puts a hand on my chest. Wait, Mr. Hart, uh, they just decided they're not going to pick you up. What? At the upfront? At the upfront. At the announcement. This is the most brutal thing that's ever happened to me. Have you ever shot, you ever shot six, right? Uh, no. At the time, this is like, we, we shot the pilot. Okay. And we were picked up so late that this was, they were announcing that they were going to do our show and they were just showing the pilot and stuff. Sure. But we had nothing shot at the time. Right. We go, sir, we're not going to pick you up. Uh, oh my God. To they stop you. you on your way to the stage. God is my witness. God is my witness. On the way that to the stage. is brutal. Holy shit. What do you mean? Keep in mind, I get there. You gotta give the, you, in your mind, are you giving back all the shit you oh, just bought? In my mind, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. oh, I, I changed. Like, my, my my wife is now moving out to L.A. Like, my family, I've, I've told them what we're going to do. Like, so this when you is, got the first deal, you got married? Yeah, well, I got yeah. the first deal, yeah. That's after I got married and yeah. moved out. Yeah. But, like, this is, like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. So many people, I've told what, oh, yeah. what's oh, going to happen. Horrible, so horrible. Uh, they they don't pick it up. It's bad. All right, yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm not gonna have a show. Right. I get a call six months later. They want you for mid season to do the show. To do the show. Okay. So they pick me up for seven episodes. Right. All right. Back. Shoot the shoot the episodes. It's great. I get the money per episode, and I'm getting a writing fee, and the producer's free. Checks are coming in. I think I was getting like twenty five grand an episode. Nice. Like five grand yeah. for writing, and like right. another three thousand for EP, whatever. So checks are coming in. This is great. I got six of them. I'm back. Time to ball out. I'm yeah. rich again. Yeah. Okay. They air four of them. The president of ABC got fired. New president comes in. TGIF, they wanted to get rid of it. Everything with TGIF, with the exception of George Lopez. And I think it was um, Kelly Ripper's show. Yeah. She had a show with her, like another woman or something like that. They just want clean slate. Kept that. Everything else got the can. Now, Soul Plane, I shot the movie while I was doing the TV show. I'm about to be a movie star, and I got a TV show. This is huge. Yeah. Soul Plane gets bootlegged, crazy. Nobody goes to see it in the theaters. It's on the street. It's probably made forty million dollars. Is that what happened? Yes, like literally. It's it was bootlegged three months before the movie came out, so everybody saw the movie. Like it was it was a national thing. Everybody had the movie. 
So it comes out. Nobody goes and sees it. It's all over the street. Everybody has it already. Ah, for three man. months before it came out. How'd that happen? Somebody pirated. Somebody from within side leaked it and made money off of it. Probably cut a deal. That's normally how bootlegging happens. So now, but I never heard it happen on that big oh, of a scale. No, it was three months, dude. Soul Plane is so much. Soul Plane is what got me popular enough to start touring. And you, in the movie, never really got anything. Never got any type of love. But you go, but you go on the, on the road, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you were great." Soul, Soul Plane, <laughs> like, dude. As as it's in the theater, I was actually signing bootleg copies of the movie for people. <laughs> they were coming to me, "Yo, Duke, you signed yeah, this." Yeah. Like, they're serious. Yeah. So now, keep in mind, I was just at the peak of what I thought was my career: TV right. show, movie. Now nothing. Movie tanks. Oh, we gave this guy a chance to star in something. It doesn't work. He had a TV show starred in. It got canceled. Oh, man, another comedian failed. Now what the fuck do I do? I don't have money. I don't have a financial revenue stream coming in. And you're also a little, you're a little played on the other side, I'm, on the industry. Yeah, They're I, like, they you tanked they, out. Yeah, this we're guy, gonna, we, we're not going to throw money at him. We yeah, tried. Yeah. So now I, I got a decision to make. You know, am I going to move back? I'm already living in L.A. I said, no. I said, dude, you know what I want to do? I said, Dave, you got to get me into comedy clubs. I said, I don't care what the money is. I don't care if it's shit. I got to get back to comedy. I got to get back to my root and just build myself up. And now where at that time, what do you, what do you think? You were headlining already, right? I was, well, headlining, but it was the, the C and B minus comedy clubs. The improvs wouldn't mess with me. So I was doing like- So uh, you got no draw and you probably had a good 40? Maybe. So you're really a middle. Yes, I'm, I'm a middle that they're putting in a headliner slot. And so you'd already had a TV shot, two TV shots, and a movie that crapped out, but you'd really let go of the comedy. You didn't. You you you, you got into comedy. You love comedy, but you know, as soon as the money came, you're like, "Fuck comedy." I'm done. I'm done. I need to focus on this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So allergies, people. So I know y'all hear me out there sniffling stuff Don't is that cats huh? no yeah. just oh, in general just in general it's been cold in LA the last couple of days yeah so, but, small, so this is so, does it have any bearing on it <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that see that that moment is fucking insane though right it's pretty it was the craziest like, part I, of my I, life. I have a tremendous amount of respect for guys that do that because there are guys you know because you you said it yourself that you think everything's set you're walking around with that attitude you got other people around you going he's gonna fall fuck that kid you know you got all that especially I mean in the black community a lot of that shit goes on it, uh, instantly the, the instant com the competitiveness is is so different in in uh, in black rooms it is white rooms I don't know why that is we don't talk about it but black people seem like you're going down I'm gonna hand you your ass it, what it is is it's it's everybody feels like it should be them uh huh you know uh and you know at, at the same time there's nothing bad with that way of thinking but it's not something that should be voiced you know everybody but it is feels is it like not it's I mean it's voiced a lot yeah. you know people say it hey man he ain't shit he's yeah. not that funny I'm yeah. better than him yeah. that's how people feel so yeah. when you get certain opportunities people look down on you because they feel like you don't deserve those right. opportunities. I've been doing it for 37 years. Who the fuck this guy's been doing it for nine months. He comes in, gets this, gets that. Why Why aren't they checking for me? Why right. aren't I getting these opportunities? So that's where the anger comes from, which, you know, to some degree, I understand what people no, would I, feel I, a certain I, I have that way. anger, too. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I, you get this young guy who comes out of nowhere, and everybody's gung-ho about him, and you're like, look, I done put blood, sweat, and tears about it. I need my opportunity. I want my chance, too. Look for me and give me my chance. But now you get now you got that cross the bear you got to go back in the comedy rooms as a middle and, and a headliner in yep. bnc rooms yep. and eat some fucking shit so now and eating shit isn't the word you know it was it was tough because 
Everybody knew he doesn't have the time. Uh, not only do I not have the time, I'm not selling tickets. So the comedy clubs are raping me. Like, I'm making $600 for the weekend, and, you know, they're making whatever off of food, drinks, draw, and the door. You're drawing a few people from the bootleg, yeah, though, right? Yeah, just a few. <laughs> a few. Like, you know, in these places. But the comedy clubs I'm doing are so shitty. I'm in, like, uh, Cumberland, Kentucky. You know, I'm in Bismarck, North Dakota. But these are just, these are just comedy rooms. They're not black rooms. No. They're just comedy rooms. So, were you doing the black circuit at all? I, it was. It was whoever would take me, man. Really? It was whoever would right. give me a shot. Uh, so you didn't have any love coming from any direction. No, 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 <laughs> nobody, because nobody knew me. Yeah, nobody really knew me, and the people that did know me didn't really know my name. Right. It was right. that's the guy from. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't yeah. Kevin yeah. Hart. So how long did you fucking do that, dude? Dude, I, I struggled in that circuit for about two years, just just grinding. And then I just went back to New York in between LA and just started working on my set. You left in uh, LA? I left LA but not not to live. I just right. would go stay with my So mom. now you got a family too, yeah, right? So I would stay with them and I didn't have kids yet. Yeah. So me and my, my wife at the time would just go back to the East Coast and I would live at your mom's house? Stay at uh, her mom's or oh I would go to my God. mom's and I would just do the comedy circuit. Uh-huh. I try to get my chops up. Thank God you had those shirts you bought, huh? Oh, jeez, that's about it. They lasted me forever. Those jerseys <laughs> were the best thing I ever bought. I was always cool. I never looked like I was broke. Thank God. Uh, so out of nowhere, I signed to a personal appearance agency. For some reason, Soul Plane is getting popular. Uh, my management talks to Chris Smith. Chris Smith, who was booking all the guys, and he's supposed to be the popular guy. So this guy's putting me on shows, but... The Chris shows, Smith, the agent? Chris Smith, yeah. the, the personal parents right. agent. So, you know, he's putting me on these tours, like the the black comedy explosion tours, uh-huh. you know? So sure. I'm making money, but- Who are you traveling with? It was me, like Bruce Bruce and Talent, yeah. and like uh, yeah. a Samore or something. It's just yeah. all these shows. Yeah. But I'm coming out, you know, I'm not really doing well. When By the time I hit the stage, nobody's there yet. They all coming to see the later acts. Uh, it's just not good. So then he convinces me that you can go do dates by yourself. So he starts throwing me in these big venues. Yeah. Nobody's coming to see me. That's so brutal. now I'm fucking failing as a stand-up as well. Like, I done, I done dropped the ball doing television. My movie didn't do well. Now I'm going out and doing theaters way before I should isn't be that, trying to Isn't do that the theaters. worst? Because you know in your head, you're like, I'm not going to sell gonna tickets. Sell. So just stick me in the club and let me build. Because but this guy's convincing me, dude, you're going to do great. I'm but then he you. said, then you look like an asshole. He says, all right, I'll do it. And then 300 people come into a place that says 1,000 people. like the promoter look at me yeah, as if yeah, I'm yeah, the guy tickets. that tanked. Yeah. I tanked there. You I take the weekend. Right. So now this guy isn't selling tickets. Uh, so that's when I decided after some time of taking those ego blows, I talked to Davis and I don't want to use him anymore. I want to I want to just do comedy clubs. Can you just get me into the A rooms? I don't care what they pay. I don't care if it's shit. I just need the reps. I need to build on my, 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 my fan base. I need to work on myself. It's not about acting. If something comes along, great. If it doesn't, I don't care. It's about comedy. And, dude, I just started to focus on stand-up. And I vowed to never turn my back on stand-up comedy again. I made that promise to myself. That's all you got to fall back on, I don't care how big things get. I don't care. Like, right now, movies are crazy. Television is crazy. Just everybody's throwing the world at me. I refuse to compromise stand-up. 
You have to work around my stand-up schedule. I control it, and these people are my fans. These people are who really, genuinely support So when's the big break? How'd that happen? So you're out there, you're doing, what, $1,500, $2,000 weeks at the Improv? I'm not even that. I'm getting, I'm, honestly, Mark, I was getting about 900 to $1,200 at the Improv for the weekend, but I'm doing Wednesday through Sunday. Okay, like literally, my, my... Didn't you take that as some sort, even though you were where you were at, didn't you feel that I was disrespectful? Yes, yes. I mean, you know you're being overworked and you know you're not being compensated for what they're asking you to do. And you're doing 30 Were you able to tell them to fuck off? Not at all. Okay. You can't. There's nothing you can do about it. No, but I mean now. It. You go back in the improv well, here's now. Here's the thing. Now, you know, I, I'm a person that takes, I find a positive in everything. Like, you know what? I took my rapings for years. Now, let me be a businessman for a second. If I'm the improv comedy clubs and I'm giving this guy that's not going to sell tickets a chance to work in my club, you know what? I'm going to pay you this because you need me. And you needing me, I'm going to make my money off of you. I'm going to make my money off of food and drinks to support my business. I'm going to paper the room. I'm going to give these tickets away to get people in here that are going to buy food and drinks you're not bringing people in here but i'm giving you a stage you right. need my stage right. which i do as a businessman i get your way of thinking now as a comedian you got to put your business hat on they're bringing the room in here for free they're papering this is from their email list these are their these are their clients on a weekly basis so you think i can get new people i'm going to steal their people back okay so i'm not getting paid That's but a- these people become a check for me at some point in time in my life if i do what i'm supposed to do so that's what that's, I did. That's a very mature way to look at it. I, I'm a smart dude. I'm, yeah, I, yeah. You put a book in front of me and tell you to read it and then tell you to read, tell me to read back to you what I just read. <laughs> I'm going to have a difficult time. But when it comes to business sense and, and working the dollar and understanding how to grow as a businessman, I'm a fucking genius, But dude. you could have gotten bitter. I mean, there, there's no reason. You telling me this story and you know I felt the same way about Bill and I've seen guys go up and do what, being what you threw, uh-huh. went through and they don't come back. I don't know where Reggie McFadden is. Do you? Dude, not at all. All right. Not at all. But it, not, not, no disrespect. He was a funny guy, but he was one of those guys, you know, the, uh, this is it. This is it. That was it. It's gone now. What do I, I do? You know what I think it was for me, Mark? It was the scare of me taking my raping so early. Like, I was 22, 21, And you'd already 22. been used up. I've already been hit. I've been drained. I was already done. I had my movie I started in. I had my TV show. I'm not even I'm not even 26, 25, and I can't get an acting gig. I'm I'm doing nothing. I'm auditioning. I'm trying. I'm not getting it. So what was the change in your stand up? When did you start saying, you know, uh, when did you start talking about real shit? Uh I started talking about real shit probably after after the 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 marriage and after the kids, my material started to grow. Like, I, I had some real stuff to talk about. After the marriage went to. bad or you were just... After I was married, married in general. Okay. After, because I'm a grown little man is what I was talking about there. But that's where... That was, I was the first, about, that was the first special? That was my first special yeah. that I shot. But the stuff, my content was just different. You know, uh, not even just because of the marriage, just because I was maturing as Living a person. A life. Like, I'm responsible for people. Right. I have something to do. Right. I'm no longer a kid. I'm not talking about farting yeah. and, and shitting on myself or, yeah. you know, boo-booing in the pants. I'm, I have to talk about I'm an adult. You got to talk to adults. I'm talking to adults. And yeah. the realization of that came. And when you when you watch other comedians, I was like, all of these guys... Like when they leave a show, 
I feel like I know who they are. I know about them. I said, I ain't talking about shit. Like, it started to click. So it's Keith Re- Keith Robbins' advice from, from years ago. ago was like, oh. Just now started to click. Yeah. And uh, I had a conversation with Keith. I, I had the pleasure of knowing guys like Damon Wayans, Chris Rock, uh, George Wallace, Seinfeld. Uh, uh, that came later, though. When, when was the thing that put you back on the map? For me, what put me back on the map, uh, I did... I would say I'm a grown little man. That Dave was self-produced me, that? Uh, it was self-produced, but Dave found a way to get me to do an hour special right. without going through Comedy Central for an hour special. Right. So I got uh, we got an independent producer to come in and do it, and then we sold it to Comedy Central and they did it. Right. But it was something to where, hey, this is going to launch, and we did it. And from it launching, it it, it did okay. Like this was This was... We used the big house and we used all those things that I did from the guy who did this and this and this yeah. is now doing this. Yeah. So we found a way to launch it. Yeah. And it did it didn't do great. It didn't exceed uh But you had you know, an hour, it, it was good shit, it and was it was personal. It we defined you. So now I got to go back out on the road, but now people were coming that saw Grown Little Man. So I'm not selling out yet, but I'm actually filling up the comedy room halfway three yeah. quarters way and they're papering the rest yeah. but now people are paying to come see me right I did that for about another year and a half just off of Grown Little Man my rooms are getting bigger my email list is getting blitter, bigger my social media presence is getting bigger after that I did uh, I did Shaq's All Star Comedy Jam that's what I saw with D-Ray and Ari yep. Spears when I did that that was I, it right I know where it came from holy shit my following got huge and I had already filmed Seriously Funny it just wasn't coming out till later but everybody was the special was, was second watching, special yeah my second special it just wasn't coming out till like five months after I'd already did the Shaq thing so I thought the Shaq thing was gonna be some bullshit but you know but but that was weird though because I watched that thing and you know and I don't watch a lot of comedy I was in a hotel I was on the road and and you clearly uh, were the standout it was it, it was just your night man it was unexpected I did not expect it to be as big as it was. I thought it was a regular show that they were filming. I thought it was something that was just one of those ten minute spot things. It's gonna go to DVD. It is what it is. Like I was at that point. I was doing a favor for my friend Shaq. And uh, how do you uh, know him? Shaq, just from dude, I'm around. I, I, I'm around <laughs> all the shit. So for some reason, I know everybody, dude. It's, it's amazing. I, I've been blessed to meet everyone. I don't, I don't think there's not a person that I don't know haven't met. That's in a young entertainment yeah. realm, and, right? And and what we do, I I know them all. Uh, did the special? I don't know where I'm going to comedy clubs, and I'm adding shows now Holy because shit, of the Shaq special. Because of the Shaq special. Holy shit! Look, guys, I'm adding a show. The seriously funny comes out right after. Boom. Now a weekend, I'm doing eight shows, but I'm selling out. Nobody's papering anything. It's selling out. Keep in mind, this is about three and a half years now. I'm just doing comedy clubs. They were like, Kev, you can go do theaters. I don't want to. I want to do the comedy clubs again. So I patiently did comedy clubs another year. Now I'm adding nine, ten shows a weekend. Caroline's. We did ten shows at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York. Um, I had a conversation with my agent. What's the makeup of the audience? Uh, at this point, I was about 70, 30, black to white. So now my crossover is getting bigger. I said, fine, I want to do a test theater. You don't make two lists, though, do you? No, 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 not two lists. I don't have a, I don't have a divided. Blacks, no. It's it's all the same. So uh, we, we, we go, we say, you know what, let's give a test out to do theaters. I think the city was like Kansas City. Mm-hmm. We did three shows in a 1,200-seater. I was like, I think I'm now ready to do theaters. Right. 
Seriously Funny was out. It aired. It debuted. I started doing theaters. Dude, we're adding three shows, two shows. We go out to 5,000 theaters. I'm selling out. We're adding shows. Now, aren't you happy, though? Like, the one thing I noticed, you know, and I'm, I'm in a much different level, but in the sense of uh, that whatever happens, the one thing I know that when I did the Wilbur, is that when I'm about to go on stage for that many people, I think you know, even five years ago, I would be backstage going, fuck, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I got the juice for this. Uh-huh. But I don't even think twice about it anymore. No, so, like, I mean, I think that it's interesting that it all synced up for you because you don't have any fear about that. Uh-huh. You know who you are and you got the shit. But I think that if this would have happened when you got those other opportunities that didn't pan There's out. There's no way I would have been ready for it. You, you would have been fucked up. There's no up. way I would have been ready for it. That's why, I think that's why, you know, when you talk to me, you see my my mental approach to things. Yeah. You're like, wow, you're not bitter, you're not this. I, I find a positive in anything negative that happens. Because I know it happened for a reason. So you got two choices to make. You You're a religious man? Uh, you know, I'm not over religious. I believe in God, but yeah. I'm not the guy that's in church every Sunday. Or right. That's, but you that's believe out. enough to think that it I happens for a reason. I believe enough to think that it happens for a reason. I yeah. believe in a higher being. I definitely right. do. Uh, and for me, it's I refuse to treat people like shit because I see that things come full circle. That's so for sure. even even with the improvs, don't yell at that assistant. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. Even with the improvs, you know, I got to a point where the improvs. Yeah, I knew that I wasn't getting paid what I should, but I never got mad at them. And now when I go back, I do the improv comedy clubs, and when I work and work on my sets, I'll go Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll take a door deal where I get 95 to 100 percent of the door just to work out shit. And I'm going there to work out, and they 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 have to do it because they want my business. But at the same time, I'm not going there like I'm the big bad wolf. I'm going there because this is conducive and convenient for my schedule. When you do that, do. do you tell the audience you're working out shit? Uh, no, because they can't tell. You know, yeah. I make sure it's still a show. I don't. I don't go in that element until I've been in New York. Like I went to New York for about five months, just going back and forth, just to get a template of what I want my doing. Fifteen to minute be. sets. Yeah, just to get it built it up to where I have yeah. an hour, yeah. where it's not a strong hour, but there's a template, and yeah. I have jokes within right, it. Right. But I need to tighten them up and figure out things. Right. So once I have that template, then I'm comfortable enough to go to a comedy club. Because regardless, I would never take advantage of my following by taking your money for tickets and giving you a half-ass show. Right. I go to New York to do that where the rooms are set up for that. Yeah, yeah it's just a showcase show. And exactly. It's, you know, oh, Kevin Hart's here. I didn't exactly. know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I would do. So I don't I don't take advantage and do that. I would never do that. It's still a show. It's still a good show. But it's a preparation for what becomes my arenas and what becomes my next special that's going to air. Who, now, you, how many of you bring one opener to the arenas? Uh, to the arenas, I go. I took my friends that started with me. Uh, Naeem, Naeem Lynn, a guy named William Horton, Joey Wells. I got a host and two features. Um, no intermission. We go straight through. Uh, they These are guys about, you started with in Philly? Uh, Naeem and William Horton I started with in Philadelphia. Uh, Joey Wells is a writing partner of mine that I need on the road because we're doing scripts and stuff like that. So him and another writing partner go travel. But he's a comedian as well. Right. He's a great host, so I just want him to let him host. So that's nice. Those guys it's, must be appreciative. Hey, it's it's you keep a good team around you and you don't change it. You don't worry about anything negative coming into your circle. Yeah. You know, when you start to bring other elements in is when dumb shit happens. I trust and know everybody. We've got four years successful touring from theaters to arenas, you know. So those uh, are your guys. Why why break something that's or why fix something that's not broke? Does right. That make sense? And now how the uh, production company come about? I mean, and, and what are you actively doing with that? Well, production company came from me saying, wow, I got a lot of money now. You know, yeah. uh, I can sit on this money and eventually go broke or I can learn how to make my money, make money for me. Right. How do I own? How do I get into the business of owning my product? Uh, seriously do you produce funny, anybody else? 
not yet. We we are. I'm going to produce theirs. Yeah. Each of those guys will travel with me. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to do a special for them. And it's not for a financial return. I'm just going to do it for them because as I stop touring and take off for however long I take off to do movies and stuff, I want those guys to still be able to work and have a, a outlet where they can go and do comedy clubs and build on their own brand. So now you, you, you've been able to realize a dream. Did you buy your mom a house? Oh, my mom, well, you know, my mom passed away five years ago. Nothing bad. Uh, five years ago. So, no, but what I what I got from my mom was something better, and that's uh, that's the knowledge of how to live from being raised right. And what you about know? your old man? My dad is happy. My dad is very happy. He's you buy him a house? I ain't buying my dad no damn house. He'll fuck it <laughs> off. Uh, but he's taken care of. You know, he doesn't have a worry in the world. You uh-huh. know, whatever he needs, he can have. And you got and, a relationship with him? Yeah, and I have a relationship with him. You know, uh, and your for brother? Me, my brother's very taken care of. You know, uh, sponsor my brother. He's a professional pool player. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He travels for free. He's set up. He needs nothing. Like, my thing is making everybody around me happy. My kids are set up for life. How old are your kids? Uh, six and four. They're done. They need nothing. Their college is taken care of. Their accounts are taken care of. Yeah. If I'm going today, they're fine. Uh, for the whole run. They're fine. They That's amazing. That's so an amazing feeling. It's, it's you, have a, you have two routes to choose, man. You can either fuck it off again. I did my fucking off. I, that money I got, I don't know where that money went yeah. from the deals and everything. Yeah. And I learned. I was in debt. Yeah. I had a tax debt of 500 some thousand dollars at one point. And you got a and, wife still or no? Uh, divorce, but friends. Yeah. Not a bad divorce. Really? A good divorce to where Jesus we talk Christ. and we see each other every day. So, you know, I went away and, and, and she went her way. But because we got beautiful kids, we have to maintain a friendship. And we do. And, and she's happy. And everything that I went through, Mark, has put me in position to be where I am now. That debt, I thank God I owed that money in taxes. And I had to work so hard to pay all that money back. And I didn't know that. You get... had a tax thing? Oh, my God. It was... From the first from the, deal? From the deals, yeah. yeah. Like, nobody told me I had business managers, <laughs> but I was I was fucking the money off so bad. So, yeah. for me, yeah. it wasn't there. Like, right. when you first make your money, you don't know yeah. about all that. Yeah. You have no idea. And you made it right? Oh, did I make it right ever? Ask me, will I ever have a tax problem again? No. no. <laughs> Never. Listen, any check I get, I take 55% and put it to the side. Yeah. I don't even look at it yeah. because I know that it's over there. And yeah, when it's yeah. time to cut those checks, they get them. I don't care about the And then amount. you get a little something back and Listen, you're like, oh, 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 oh okay. that's great. I yeah. had this left over. But I don't play those games anymore. It's it's my life is more serious and I have so much more to lose now. That's why I'm so much responsible. Yeah. So tell me about the uh, the new the movie that's coming out. You got a movie coming uh, out soon, right? Movie coming out. Two of them. One called Think Like a Man that comes out April twentieth. Yeah. Uh, another one called Five Year Engagement that comes out April sixteenth, I believe. And these are your starring roles. Uh, they're they're great. April twentieth, Think Like a Man is a starring role. Uh, I'm a supporting cast in Five Year Engagement. That's what are what these movies about? Think Like a Man is based off of Steve Harvey's book, Act Like a Lady, Think oh, right, Like a right, Man. Yeah. Uh, it's funny as hell, dude. The movie's great. Is he in it? Uh, no, he's he's in it, but he's not in it. He's yeah. in it as the book. As Are you the, the lead? Are, yes, I want the leads in it. And what's, the, uh, what's the angle on that? Uh, what, is it more of an advice way? book? You know, that you, no. You know. See, here's the thing. The book is basically telling women how to think like a man and they'll do better in a relationship. Oh, okay. The movie is is told from a male's point of view of, look, here's how we think. This is why we do what we do in relationships. Uh-huh. And for the first time, you got a dramedy that's being told from a man's point of view, yeah. which hasn't been done. So it's right. not a sappy, romantic movie, right. but you're getting the gist of why men treat women the way that they treat them and what their thought process is. And you get to see a woman's reaction, but it's done smart. Like, it's not done to where it's bad. It was a great movie. It's a, I think the budget was probably for like 10 or 11 men. 
million, and I think it's going to do great. You know, people are excited about it. Uh, I don't see it doing bad at all. What's the five-year engagement? Five-year engagement is about a guy who basically has been engaged for five years. You know, it's I've about been that guy. the promising. More. Uh, I've, been, I've been engaged for six years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the guy who continues the promise of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, but it never happens because problems keep occurring in your life. Uh-huh. And when problems occur, sometimes you got to adjust. Some people don't know how to adjust. Whose movie is that? Uh, this is done. This is a Judd Apatow production. This is with Jason Siegel, Emily Blunt, uh, Nick Stoller's directing. Uh, I'm in it. Uh, who else is in it, man? There's so many people in this movie, dude. I'll be so here that's a that that's a crossover movie. Crossover movie. And uh, laughing my pain, my last special went out theatrically, which I own. How'd that do? That. Theatrical. It it's such theatrical. a rare thing to see a comedy special in the movie theater. I put it. I did it independently. I mm-hmm. funded it for about seven hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, distributed independently. Went just to AMC theaters. We put it in two hundred theaters. My movie did eight million. Really, two hundred theaters off That's of a seven hundred thousand dollar investment. Is it still out or you? Uh, it's off now. Now it's on DVD. It's currently the number two selling DVD overall. And, and the Walmart. album's doing good too, right? Crazy, ridiculous. I'm at. I think I'm at like five hundred thousand units. Well, so. congratulations, Kev. Thank you, man. It's good to I talk to you, it. man. Hey, this was a great conversation. I'm glad I came. All right, right on. That was Kevin Hart. Good attitude on that guy. I can learn a few things from him. If I if I did learn those kind of things, I could. Hope you enjoyed that. A couple of things I forgot to mention at the top. The first 100 episodes of WTF are, are now available for pre-order on a special collector's DVD of uh, MP3 files uh, from uh, Special Thing Records. If you go to astrecords.com slash WTF, you can pre-order the new collector's pack. It also has a live WTF show from Brooklyn featuring Artie Lang, Morgan Spurlock, Ira Glass. It's the only time you'll see Ira Glass and Artie Lang on one stage. And it was really the first time that Artie had had done anything since he got out of rehab. It was a terrific show. So that's available now. It's a two-DVD set from uh, Special Thing Records with all 100 of the original WTFs and MP3 files with the special additional... uh, video of the live WTF uh, in Brooklyn. Available now at astrecords.com slash WTF. Another thing I wanted to do before I go, I'm going to be doing a show for Public Citizen. It's going to be me, Ray Romano, Dana Gould, Wendy Liebman, Rick Overton, Eric Rivera, and Morgan Murphy. That's Sunday, April 29th at 6.30 at the WGA Theater in Beverly Hills. That's 135 South Doheny Drive in Beverly Hills. You can go to www.citizen.org for tickets. A public citizen is uh, a powerful organization, and this is a benefit with uh, me and Dana and Ray and Wendy and Rick, Eric and Morgan. Dig it. Go to WTFpod.com for all your WTF needs. Justcoffee.coop. All right. Okay. Pow. Look out. I'm not even going to get into it. Get on the mailing list, kick in a few shekels, check out the apps, check out the episodes, leave a comment or two if that's your bag. That's it. Uh, Unfortunately, Boomer will no longer be uh, appearing on the show at all until he gets his meow back. Bye.